Welcome to Empowerment Radio. My name is Dr. Friedman, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me. Empowerment Radio is about giving you the insights, tools, and solutions to address some of the most challenging aspects of our daily lives. So sit back, relax, and empower yourself. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman. And uh, as always on Empowerment Radio, I like to talk about things that empower us and things that disempower us. And one of the things that probably disempowers most of us is fear and anxiety. Now, I think in our country right now, we are pretty divided, right? I mean, you know, they're the lefts and the rights, they're the mask wearers and the non-mask wearers, the believers in COVID and those that are not believing. But one thing that really unites all of us is the emotion, fear and anxiety, which uh, I think so many people are struggling with. It's uh, certainly the number of people that are on medication or have been diagnosed or trying to self-medicate since 2020 has only skyrocketed. Now, fear and anxiety is one of my favorite topics because I have been working with clients uh, on helping them overcome fear and anxiety for almost 20 years. Plus, I had been struggling with fear and anxiety for over 10 years. So I think I know a little bit about fear and anxiety. And so today I want to just to help you to get a better understanding of what fear and anxiety are and what you can do about it. And why you don't have to be afraid of fear and anxiety. In fact, you don't really get anywhere if you're just beating on it, on these emotions or trying to push them away or to distract yourself from them or somehow be afraid of them and feel like, you know, all you can do is just to try to numb yourself out so that you don't have to feel anything. Because fear and anxiety are so powerful because they have a very powerful function for us. There is really an upside to fear and anxiety, and that's something I want to talk about while answering your questions, because I send out on social media and the newsletter and so on uh, uh, a call to ask me any questions you may have about fear and anxiety, and you can still do that by either calling in. Jessica, the producer of the show, is standing by at 800-930-2819. Again, 800-930-2819, or you just leave a comment on the Facebook page because the show is also on Facebook Live. So if you have any questions, just send them off. And thank you for all of those that have been sending questions in about fear and anxiety. Now, the first question that I got frequently is a question about what is actually anxiety and where does it come from? Now, there are different perspectives on that, right? You know, there is a perspective of the doctor, which I used to be, which uh, basically is, okay, there is something happening in your brain. It's some kind of a, you could call it misfiring or it's an imbalance of your neurotransmitters or the amygdala, this little tiny... Um, part of the midbrain is on constant on uh, switch place. It just fires all the time and all nice and good and right, but also not very empowering because, you know, you feel like really you're a victim somehow of your body and it doesn't really take into 
the equation that maybe there is some other and more important function to fear and anxiety than just scrambling our mind and uh, making us feel like our, uh, our whole life is, um, is paralyzed by it. Now, I see fear and anxiety more from the mind place. And I wish someone would have told me that when I was struggling with fear and anxiety. And what I mean with the mind place is that there is the, the conscious mind, our intellectual mind. And that's not really where the emotions come from, because that's more where we are solving problems and uh, do math uh, calculations. And uh, it's not a very, uh, you know, feeling-based part of the mind. And certainly you would love to reason yourself out of anxiety if you could. So it's, it's not something we are deciding consciously. Let's be a little anxious. It's more coming from that deeper part of the mind, the, the subconscious mind. And that deeper part of the mind is where, you know, the anxiety, our emotions, but also our memories and our beliefs and all this more, you know, important fundamental stuff of ourselves is stored and also is operated from. Now, fear and anxiety come from the subconscious, not as, okay, let's just uh, put a little bit of these emotions into the mix, but the subconscious creates fear and anxiety more as a symptom than as a problem. And what I mean with that is, let's say the analogy is physical pain. So if you have physical pain, you are not right away just you know, taking a painkiller you know, for days and telling yourself, well, I need to get rid of this pain. You're hopefully wondering, what does this pain mean? You know, why do I have pain in my stomach or in my chest or... Maybe when you step on, you know, on your foot and all of a sudden you have pain, did you break something or do you have a gastritis or is there maybe something, you know, with your heart? You, you wonder, you investigate. Well, that's exactly what we need to do with fear and anxiety because fear and anxiety are sent out as a message from the subconscious because there is something like a wound or an imbalance on that deeper level going on. Let's say, for example, you were, as a child, moving around a lot. Your parents were in the military. And so you had to be shipped away, you know, often from different homes, different schools. And, and that change was quite taxing for you because you had to always get used to new people. And then you had to say goodbye to them after, you know, maybe a year or two. So all of that was really difficult for you. And and in your mind, your subconscious, you may have created the idea that change is bad. And maybe there were schools and kids that were not very nice. And so then there is the idea that, well, new people should be avoided because they're not really nice. And maybe one day in school, you were made fun of because you were singing and you were not necessarily really in tune and everyone was laughing and you were blushing and then you told yourself, I will never sing in public again. And so being visible is all of a sudden seen by your subconscious as something really to be avoided. So you have these filters, you know, these ideas, these beliefs on the subconscious level that then make you anxious that when you, for example, have to change your job or when you are out and having to meet new people or 
you know, it makes you never want to leave your neighborhood or your apartment because all of those things are just seen from a subconscious place as scary. And you could be diagnosed with social anxiety. But what's really going on is that your subconscious simply has still this old filter system that interprets anything that could potentially look like whatever you went through in your childhood as dangerous and therefore scary. So anxiety is ultimately a misinterpretation or distortion of yourself and reality on a subconscious level. And so what you need to do is not to fight the anxiety, but what you really need to do is to change the filters, the filters on a subconscious level so that you can see yourself more clearly and that you can also look at the world more from the adult perspective and not from whatever the subconscious had been programmed as early in your life. And that's exactly what I'm doing in my work with clients worldwide since all those years. And it is quite transformational. And I'll definitely going to talk more about that. Now, a question that also came up is the physical aspect of fear and anxiety. So when you have anxiety and you know, you are just sweating and uh, shaking and you're breathing fast and your heart is pounding and your whole body is tingling. You're feeling, oh my God, I am, you know, in, in a doom's place right now. What do I do? How do I get out of this? Uh, well, one of the things that you can do is to realize that what happens is that your sympathetic nervous system is stimulated by the release of stress hormones that anxiety naturally causes. So adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, all this stuff is pumped into your body to get you ready to fight or flight or freeze just to defend yourself. And that's why your heart is pounding and your, you know, your whole system, your whole muscles uh, feel very tense and tight. So to counter that, you want to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, that part of the autonomic nervous system, which is about relaxing and digesting and healing. And, and so to tone down the sympathetic, you are amping up the parasympathetic. And there are very simple things to do that. For example, you can run cold water over your wrists or your hands and that automatically stimulates the main nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system which is the, the vagus nerve or you can do deep diaphragm uh, diaphragmatic breathing where you really inhale and you push your belly out on the inhale and the exhale you pull your belly back touching your upper lips like this just uh, tapping on your upper lips with your index finger and your middle finger, just uh, rapidly. There are so many nerve endings that stimulate the vagus nerve or chanting, singing out loud, humming, uh, chanting om. All of those have been actually in research shown to activate that calming parasympathetic nervous system, including walking barefoot, uh, in the grass, ideally, or on, on the earth. So those things can be very helpful just to calm down your nervous system and therefore also calm down these physical symptoms. 
Well, when we call, uh, when we come back, uh, I will also answer a question about mind racing. What are we doing when our mind is just galloping away with us and not in a good direction? So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Sanskrit is not just a language to be written and spoken, but it is a doorway to gaining understanding of how we experience life and truth. Conscious Confidence is a book written by Sanskrit scholar Sarah Main. The stories Sarah shares will take you on a journey of understanding how the power of this ancient language is not only still relevant, but can truly transform your everyday life. Drawing upon the deeper meanings behind the Sanskrit words for confidence, Sarah Main outlines principles for harnessing the fourfold energy of conscious confidence. Focusing, uniting, simplifying, and energizing. Not just a book, a life guide. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Inner Traditions. You can find all of those links on ConsciousConfidence.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. Uh, today we are talking about your questions on fear and anxiety. And uh, one, on the, one of the questions that uh, several people send in was about mind racing. Because it's not really nice, right? When your mind is just feeling out of control. Just when you want to lay down and sleep, all of a sudden it just turns and turns and turns and turns. And how do you get out of that? Well, the, the truth is, mind raising is not only happening when you are hitting the pillow. Mind raising is happening pretty much all the time. You're just distracting yourself away from it. You're not paying attention to it. And so what's really important is that you are not just trying to stop mind racing at night. You're actually trying to help your mind to get out of this race during the day. And there are three reasons why your mind may be racing. One is that you may have just too much on your plate and that, you know, since the mind, especially, you know, the subconscious gets really nervous when we are having to juggle more than six or seven different items, just like, you know, the plate spinner, it tries to go from one to the next item to make sure nothing crashes and burns, especially if we haven't really gone into an overview state where we looked at each item and and try to you know write it down or see exactly okay this is here and this is when i do it and i won't forget it so the easiest thing to do is just to write things down not just in the to-do list 
but really in a map, you know, in a mind map where you would say like, okay, here is the problem or my goal or my agenda that I was spinning around. This is where I want to be on the opposite side. And now what are the steps in between? And you just draw this on a piece of paper and you literally have an arrow from one to the next. And then all these steps in between, maybe even with sub steps or dates when you want to do it. Now, it looks not only great, it feels great to your mind because your mind, and again, the subconscious is here at play when it comes to anxiety and mind racing, says, oh, it's got it covered. Apparently knows what he or she is doing. That's awesome. So it lets go of trying to worry about it. And, and it sees that there is actually a plan, a map to get from A to Z. So that's a really effective way to get out of the mind racing when there's too much on your plate. Sometimes you may have just to also take things off your plate and say, okay, I'm too ambitious, especially right before the holidays, and I need to tone down my expectations. Now, the second, race, uh, second reason for the mind racing can be that your mind is just too stimulated. And we are all guilty of that. We all really treat our mind just like, you know, as a, a container that can be filled uh, endlessly. You know, one of those magical Hogwarts things that you can just uh, put more and more in and never really have to worry about that it gets cramped. Well, the mind gets also cluttered and there may be too much stuff in there. And, and unfortunately, what we do when we feel already a little on the edge or that our mind is a little nervous, that we are distracting ourselves. We go to social media, we are worrying a little bit about the, the, you know, the fear of missing out something over there, or we are watching some TV that again stimulates us or the internet or whatever it is, we are not emptying the already full mind. We are actually just filling it up more. And you know, to do that, to, to empty your mind, you have to be comfortable with nothing. I mean, nothing seems scary for many, and that has to do also with this not wanting to be present with self, but, uh, you know, just sitting and maybe having just nature sounds on or very, very calming music and maybe just looking at the wall or at a plant or out of the window and not getting into this overdrive of stimulation. It doesn't have to even be, a, you know, like a formal meditation. It can just be a little lollygagging and doing nothing. And that in itself is calming your mind and automatically releasing that pressure. It has so much you know, inside because like a pressure cooker, it was just too full. And the third reason for mind racing is negative thinking. And negative thinking can be about yourself where you're very judgmental. But it can be also this worrying and this what if thinking and and there is a whole you know show we we need to do about this at some point but it's really about this idea that when the mind is giving you a negative thought rather than batting it away or maybe uh, ignoring it or or buying into it try to understand that this negative thought is like a question from the subconscious trying to get an answer you know the Am I going to be okay? Will tomorrow, you know, some of my uh, loved ones catch uh, coronavirus? 
is the stock market gonna crash and burn at the end of the year? Or will Trump actually leave the White House or whatever those worry questions were that may have been raising in your mind? Well, who is answering them? That is always a question. Are you actually saying, well, well, maybe I should make a decision and give an answer and, and make that mind feel better? Well, usually we don't do this. We only see the questions just like from this childlike perspective. Oh yeah, you're right, that's scary. And oh, whoa, I haven't thought about that, but that doesn't sound good. Step into the adult pants and really imagine that there is a little part inside of you that just wants someone to get answers from. And the answers may not necessarily, you know, be something that's in your control, but you can always say, even if this would happen, we're still gonna find a way to deal with this. We always have been okay. And, and just this calming, compassionate voice. I tell you, since I have been teaching this for, to my clients, usually within one or two weeks, when you just do this a few times a day, calmly redirecting, reassuring, a little anxious voice, imagining it's a question, you give the answer, you're gonna have 70 to 80% less mind racing within that short amount of time. So try it out. It's really wonderful to start communicating with your anxiety and not just trying to run away from it. Now, another question that came up was about, uh, when I stay present, all fear disappears. How can I stay present? I think that's a really good question and it's true. When we are present, you know, usually the fear or the anxiety happens in the future or when we are somehow looking in the past and we are worrying about something we did or some, something someone did. And so in the present moment, usually we have to admit there is really nothing to be so worried about. Right now we are okay. But how can we be more present? And as I just mentioned before, one of the things that we really have to face is when we are present, ourselves. And so many people are just uncomfortable with facing themselves. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to feel themselves. And, and it's almost like that, you know, you don't want to be at home with yourself. And of course, that creates only more anxiety, this discomfort. So being present, try to be present first and foremost with your sensations. Just try to see whatever it is that you see. I love seeing my mirror image, just looking at the mirror. You know, we don't really do this very long. And when we do it, we only do it to, you know, brush hair, brush teeth uh, and squeeze out a pimple. And that's pretty much it. And, and so I would like you just to stay in front of the mirror a little bit longer and look at you kindly, you know, like, oh, I'm curious. And maybe even having your, your compassionate heart a little bit open for that and look into your eyes and, uh, you know, look at your body and really appreciate how your body has been serving you and just be present as if you are present with a friend. At the beginning, it may feel like a stranger, but it's a friend. So you see yourself and you can say something that means like you are actually hearing that sensation. You can touch yourself. You can taste something in your mouth. You can smell something. All of those things get you into the present moment. And 
And the same thing as being comfortable with being present with yourself. It's also comfortable being present with your life. Because so many people just feel like, I don't like my apartment. I don't like where I'm living. I don't like this. I don't like that. And, and so there is a lot of judgment. And again, there is the escape happening into another world, into a virtual reality rather than staying present. present. So get out of this judgment and just look. Maybe you can find things in your immediate environment that you're grateful for. Maybe your cat or a nice little plant that you have. Or maybe there's one tree in your neighborhood that you actually somehow like because it's a one plant that still is resisting all this, you know, uh, you know, all these buildings and streets that surround it. Whatever it is, just watch it and have a little admiration or gratitude for it. And again, be present. Doesn't have to be something like mild mindfulness. I mean, it's a form of mindfulness, but it's it's more like a, a form that you can do all the time, anytime, and you don't have to have the expectation that you should be present 24-7 because I don't know that this is something that you can be uh, able to reach right away. I don't even know that anyone can, but uh, I would like you just to try maybe every hour to be present for a minute uh, and just practice the sensation anchorings of being present and then just expand and expand. And at the end of the day, maybe you have another minute or two to really be present and that will get you into the habit. Cool. Another question that came up, which I already talked about is, is there an upside to anxiety? Yes, there are many upsides and uh, anxiety has been certainly my biggest teacher personally and I would also say my biggest uh, catalyst for growth, because if I would not have had panic attacks when I was in cardiology, I probably would not sit here right now and talk with you about anxiety. And I would have not really found my, my calling. I would just do what I have been doing, living in this you know, well-trotted path of uh, my parents being doctors, so I had to be a doctor too. And then just being in this autopilot mode that so many of us find themselves in. You study something for a long time or you have been doing something for a long time. So you don't even think about if it's right for you or not. Well, my anxiety woke me up and said, no, this is not right. You have to realign with your path and your values. And that's what I see over and over again with my clients. It's truly transformational when you are responding to the call of anxiety and see it as something that wants you to, first of all, look at whatever inside of you is still wounded and needs to be healed. But it also wants you to find yourself, to discover who you really are and discover what is actually really your contribution, your mission, your purpose in this life. And, and anxiety is knocking at that door until you're actually opening it. And you are realizing, yeah, this is time for me to maybe do a course correction, like in my case. Or for many, it's something about getting more in touch with appreciating themselves, accepting who they are, discovering that there's so much untapped potential inside of them, and then also opening the heart again. I mean, I don't know how many people told me that 
after they had really worked through the anxiety and realized that the anxiety had this deeper meaning, they had so much more love and compassion, not only for the people in their lives immediately, like their loved ones, but for everyone. It's almost like their whole perception on life had changed and they lived much more heart-centered than ever before. So yes, there is a big upside and a big possibility to use anxiety as a guide that leads you to your better and in many ways also much more empowered self. Well, be right back after this break and talk about panic attacks and one of those really interesting fears that has been so predominant for uh, a lot of people that have been connecting to me through my YouTube channel, which is the fear of getting old when you're just a teenager. What is that about? And how can we overcome that? Be right back. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Well, welcome back. More questions about fear and anxiety. And again, thank you so much for sending them in. And you can still ask your questions on Facebook Live in the comment section or call in with that number that I gave you before. Now, where is it? 800-930-2819. Don't be shy. You can actually really benefit from maybe getting a short uh, coaching on your anxiety. Uh, the holidays are close and a lot of people feel very anxious every time those, uh, you know, the best time of the year or the happiest time of the year is coming because it's not happy for them. It means stress. It means, uh, uh, you know, this whole going potentially home and facing family. And uh, so one of the questions was about anxiety around the holidays and, uh, and getting back to the place you grew up in and meeting again your uh, siblings and family. So why is it that two hours after I'm back home, I'm feeling small, insecure, and anxious? And what can I do about it? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, this is, again, something that doesn't make logical sense, but 
it is something that uh, the subconscious triggers or gets triggered. And it gets triggered because there are buttons that uh, have been uh, uh, installed, you know, that have been installed on a, on a subconscious level by those people around you. And they are pushing those buttons to make you feel whatever you had felt as a child. Now, one of the things that I can really recommend to you is when you go back, prepare yourself already for those uh, little triggers and button push and pushing situations and just know, rehearse how you want to respond to them. And we all know those, you know, it may be a, you know, a comment from your dad that may be a little critical about your job uh, decisions, or maybe your, your sibling says something about your weight or what you're wearing. And your mother may say something about that. You have to call this friend who is also in town and you have no interest to see the friend. So what do you do? Rehearse it, decide who you want to be now so that you don't have to go back to the old playbook of who you were at that time. And the other thing, you have to really uh, prepare that uh, yourself by deciding that you don't want to go into the holy trifecta of anxiety that usually happens around the holidays, which is expectations, comparison, and competing. And all those three things, we probably are all guilty off and uh, and we actually have to really step back and say well do i have to expect something from my parents that they just cannot give me maybe i just have to accept my like dad will never say i love you or i'm proud of you and maybe we have to accept that the mother is always very busy and never really has time to ask any personal questions because that's how she copes and operates if i don't have expectations i don't get disappointed and i don't get anxious or wonder whether I really belong here or I'm loved. Same with comparison. Do you really have to compare yourself with your siblings and, and feel like, you know, are they better? Do they make more money? Do they have more success? Are they more loved? And that goes right also into the competing and in going into these moments where, you know, you're afraid of getting asked questions about something that you could actually really be proud of yourself. So go into a mindset of, I'm going to show up if you want to, as you know, a friendly observer, an anthropologist that are just looking at those people and as you know, a curiosity, maybe a little compassion, but ultimately doesn't take anything personally because you realize, well, these are people that are just living a different life or are in a different path and, and I can just enjoy being around them, but I don't have to either join them or you know, feel whatever they are doing is anything about me. I can simply just observe. And I tell you, it's so amazing when I tell people just be the observer, everything changes because they see sometimes how funny and ridiculous the family is. And rather than, you know, feeling it's cringeworthy or anxiety triggering, they kind of have a good sense of humor about it, or they can see the good things and, uh, and are actually much more positive and, uh, and feel like there is something that um, you know they haven't seen before because they don't go into this old childlike anxiety mode. Now, I think Jessica, we do have a question. Is that right? Yes, we do. Uh, from Arch. So there's actually two questions in here. 
And with yes. anxiety, who is actually anxious? The current capable me or the seven-year-old me? Both. Most of the times it's both. So there is the adult that uh, notices the anxiety of the child and you know, you're kind of taken aback and say, oh, I don't like this feeling. I don't understand this feeling. What's really going on? And then, uh, you know, the, the adult uh, then gets eventually also afraid of that anxiety because it feels so uncomfortable. So often the anxiety starts with maybe like a, a child subconscious self that gets triggered. And because the feeling is uncomfortable, Eventually, then the adult says, I don't want this feeling that scares me. You wake up in the morning, look over your shoulder. Is it there? Does it attack me? So it's both. And therefore, the first step is not only to understand where the anxiety comes from, but really to say, I don't have to be afraid of my anxiety. There is nothing the anxiety wants from me. It's like being afraid of a ringtone of a phone or when someone rings a doorbell. No, you're just being willing to say, what is this anxiety about? I want to just, you know, get to the root of it and, and answer the call. And that curiosity takes away a lot of that secondary anxiety about the emotion. And what's the second question? Second question is, what's your suggestion for turning acceptance into something empowering versus something more like surrendering? I think surrendering and accepting is very empowering because when we do accept, we are getting out of resistance. And resistance is, you know, this, this inner conflict where we are, you know, fighting with our circumstances or fighting with people that we cannot change. And when we are able to get out of this resistance and just go into acceptance, it's like turning around from being upstream to letting yourself drift downstream, then you can actually, with a greater openness, be more in the flow. And in that flow, you may find out, well, since I'm not resisting, let's say, for example, my folks at home, I can actually be more calm. And because I'm more calm, they can be more calm. And maybe we have actually little uh, moments of getting along or good conversations during a walk, or maybe I do see them a little bit more with an open heart and, uh, and can appreciate who they are. So there is something also about just uh, not feeling acceptance is something that actually doesn't you know, give you power. If we could accept more, I think most of our life would be much more peaceful and we would be much more open uh, to find you know, creative ways then to make changes or to make something even better out of that, what we accept. So I think it's very empowering. So thanks, Arch, for asking these questions. Perfect. Now, I, I promise we're talking about panic attacks. And, you know, one of the things about panic attacks is that people often wonder, like, you know, this question here, I never had anxiety and all of a sudden I have panic attacks. Why now and uh, where do they come from? Well, panic attacks are an extreme form of anxiety. So when people tell me they never had anxiety before, basically what they're saying is they never noticed anxiety before, but it has been there all the time. You can see in a panic attack almost like a, you know, the red alert button is pushed of whatever the anxiety tries to get you your attention. 
mean, I, I had clients that told me that they got panic attacks when uh, you know they had to reach the top of their career ladder and uh, all of a sudden you know they had this you know overwhelming feeling during a you know like a presentation or they had to, you know talked with uh, with a peer and uh, all of a sudden they had this panic attack that came out of nowhere and when i asked them so how did you actually feel as you were climbing the ladder uh, they had to admit, yeah, they were anxious all the time, but they were so focused and they were so driven and the ambition was just outpacing the anxiety that they never really had to pay attention to it. So the anxiety is building and building and building. And again, the, the pressure cooker analogy fits very well at some point when the ambition isn't really outpacing anymore the anxiety because you have reached the top. Well, this is when then the panic happens. It's then when the lid is off and the pressure gets released. And often the panic attacks also happen when we are really so out of alignment with ourselves that our inner protector, which is one of the main functions of the subconscious, just says, stop right here. This is wrong. And this is when people, you know, have been living uh, a little bit reckless, have been a little dabbling in maybe shady deals or drugs and alcohol. And all of a sudden, after a binge or two, they get panic attacks. And there is something inside of them that just wants to reel them back in and reel them back in forcefully. Because once you have a panic attack, you do pay attention. You may be able to ignore your anxiety. You may even ignore your insomnia that tries to keep you awake so that you're actually listening inside. But in a panic attack, very difficult to ignore. So when you have a panic attack, don't be, again, afraid of the emotion. Really just take responsibility and say, okay, here I am. Now I'm going to take care of this emotion and I will figure out what actually happened, where it comes from, and eventually I get help. See, the analogy is with, with uh, emotions in general, uh, like driving a car. And let's say you're driving a car, and for some reason, either you are always overheating the engine and the car breaks down, or you are continuously landing in the ditch. And so you're, you can wonder, well, is it the car? Maybe it's just a bad car that, that gets me there. Or you can say, well, maybe it's the street. You know, the street makes me overheat or end up in the ditch. Or maybe you can say, well, maybe I'm a bad driver and I have to learn how to drive better. When we have anxiety, we are looking at our outer circumstances. Well, that must be the fault. Or we are saying, well, our, our brain is just wrong. And, you know, it's like the car. There's just something not right with it. But we are not saying, are we actually running our mind in a conscious and, uh, and caring way. Do we know how to drive our emotions? And that is something all of us have never learned at home or in school. And so we do all have to do a little catch up to really get the power of our emotions on our side and not as something that usually, you know, may hold us back and pull the brakes. We'll be right back with that topic of fear of aging when you are just a teenager. How can you overcome this or see it differently? We'll be right back. 
We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The power of inspiration and awakening radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific will take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Welcome back. Uh, the fear of aging when you're young. I don't know if you are a teenager or a young adult or if you have kids, but it is very, very serious how many young people are struggling with that fear of getting old. It's, uh, it's something I think of all the comments I'm getting on my YouTube channel. That is the number one Concern. So I'm going to just read to you uh, something that um, one of the, uh, the people on the YouTube channel were writing to me. And um, uh, usually I live in the present, but occasionally I will read about something on the Internet that is expected to happen in the next decade. And when I realize my age, when it happens, I feel sad that my youth is gone. And I also really like how. And so then it continues I'm just 16 years old. And ever since then, I turned 16 year old. Uh, the, the, the thought of um, aging terrifies me. Thinking about how soon I'll be 20 and some more years, 30 and then 40 and 50. Um, I am scared that after I hit my 30s, um, my, like, my life will be meaningless and I'll be nothing anymore. I'm, so, I'm scared of so many things. Uh, concerning aging, it makes me want to cry. Is aging really as bad as it seems? Will I lose all meaning once I hit 50 and not be able to do anything with my life anymore? Does time pass, to, uh, does time pass as fast as people say it does? Is there a point in even trying to enjoy life? I thought about killing myself at 30. The fear had gotten to me that bad once. So you see there is something about that, that fear of aging that if you have a chance or if you are actually having that fear, uh, really consider another perspective. If you have a chance to give advice to a young person who has that fear or someone who is in that fear of aging, think about that fear as not just, you know, again, looking into the future, it's uh, gloom and doom and, uh, you know, changing and uh, losing your beauty and your vitality. See it as something inside of you that actually says, well, are we really living our life in the present moment? Are we really here right now? Or are we wasting a lot of time looking into the future? 
I had a client once who told me about uh, her fear of vacation ending. And every time she went on vacation, she already thought about that horrible feeling of the vacation ending in two weeks. And so during this vacation, she could really not be very present with all the wonderful activities. Everything that she had planned and she was doing somehow was overshadowed by that certain uh, you know, feeling of dread and disappointment once the vacation was over. And that is exactly what that fear of aging does. While we are not really enjoying this you know, 30, 40, 50 year vacation on being here in, on earth or 80 years, I mean, if you count all the way to your birth, 80 or more, hopefully, uh, we are already you know, overshadowing this vacation of being here with that dread of all the consequences of, may, of what may happen. Now, personally, I find that when we are present and when we are not in this autopilot of just going uh, you know, through life on those tracks that we feel like society is uh, you know, laying out for us, our, our family and our parents are nudging us to be on, where we are not really living our authentic life, but we are living kind of a, a version that's expected from us. If we are getting out of this autopilot and if we are really mindful and also courageous, asking ourselves, who am I? What is, what is inside of me? What are my gifts and what are my contributions in this life? And if we are going with that intention through every day, every year, we will continuously grow. We will continuously learn. We will continuously feel like we are not only exploring and discovering more about life, but also about ourselves. And so every day and every month and every year, somehow we are filling ourselves more and more with those relevant discoveries and experiences. And therefore, after whatever you know, time frame you're looking at, we will feel that we have a life well lived. Now, if someone would ask me, do you want to go back to when you were 16? Hell no, I certainly wouldn't because I would have to forget everything I've learned, all the things that I feel like I grew, everything that you could say made me a little bit more mature or wise and every uh, you know, failure that I, that I really felt like, yeah, I became more my true self from, I would have to do it all over again. Maybe another time, but not right now. And so as we are seeing this fear of aging, we want to really look at it as I see it as a call to be present and seeing life as my unique path, not something that I just have to let pass by, like sitting in a commuter train and not really feeling that I'm steering it, but I just have to be on it. But really seeing this fear of aging as the call to let's find my authentic and real way of going through this life and own every little bit of it. That doesn't mean that you have to be a, a complete rebel or nonconformist. It just means that you're continuously checking in with yourself, just like I did when I thought like, yeah, I'm gonna become a cardiology professor and then no, my subconscious had none of it. So 
just really being aware of what's going inside of you and seeing like, no, it's not about aging what I'm really afraid of. What I'm really afraid of is that I'm going to live a life that at the end, I feel like I didn't really live in a very true or in a way that was for me fulfilling. And it was just a life of responsibilities and obligations and not a life of joy and purpose. And if you're aiming now, however age you are, for that joy and purpose life, you will not even notice that you're aging because you will feel more and more that joy of being here and now and feeling more and more fulfilled because of it. So that's in a nutshell what I can do for you today about fear and aging. I mean, <laughs> fear and anxiety. Just to, to give you one final word of advice around that, and Arch just brought this beautifully up about, you know, who is afraid. As the person who is noticing your fear and anxiety, and maybe you have been battling with it or fighting it for a long time, try just to be open and, uh, and curious to what is really going on uh, on a deeper level with your emotions. Don't condemn them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be angry at your anxiety, but just see it. Okay, something inside of me wants to get, you know, me to look inside, not to get distracted on the outside all the time, not to just float around and, and not really be present. And maybe something inside just says, you know, you have now created a good foundation in life. You don't have to worry about surviving. Now it's a time to look inside and see, okay, where are still some old traumas or some limiting beliefs or some confusions that need to be resolved for you to really become your whole and empower itself. When anxiety shows up, it's not necessarily that there is anything externally that is threatening. It's actually much more commonly that inside your subconscious says, you need to pay attention to me. And when you do, you will discover something about yourself that you haven't known. Often people realize, wow, when I listened to my anxiety, I realized I'm actually way different than I was portraying myself to the world. I always showed myself as a, as a go-getter and someone who is an overachiever. And I completely ignored that I actually am a very sensitive and caring person. Or I was always someone who, you know, felt like, well, I have to, uh, you know, just be in control of my circumstances and everybody around. And I didn't realize that I can actually be a very heart-centered leader who comes more from compassion rather than control. So these are the things that are possible that you can actually, if you look inside, discover about yourself. There is a treasure box of your truth that is waiting for you to, to open up. And the anxiety may be just that incentive for you to go there and look for it. Because no matter who we think we are, usually, we are so much more than that. Well, I'll leave you with that. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and we will we'll talk next on Empowerment Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
And if you want to find out more about me, just go to drfriedman.com. Goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedman Schaub. Join Dr. Friedman every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. To learn more about how Dr. Friedman's personal breakthrough program can help you overcome fear, anxiety, and low self-esteem, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. Views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.